0: Hey Sunnyside Podcasters, this is Pastor Joel here to give you a heads up that this last Sunday's worship service was recorded in our gathering space, which is a large atrium-like room where sound resonates and bounces and all that good stuff. Because of that, the audio is not quite as high fidelity as we like for it to be in these podcasts. However, it's, I think, still worth listening to as we encounter holiness uh, in the back half of Exodus 19. We hope this uh, teaching, this preaching will bless you and that uh, you'll be lifted up and encouraged by it. Let's get into it. As we prepare to hear the Word of God read, we're going to light this candle as a sign of God's Spirit being here in this place. It is good to do things differently sometimes, I think. Uh, It's good to come in DBS shirts instead of a tie and a robe. It's good to worship in the gathering space. It's good to... Celebrate the dedication of the beautification project. It's good to remember to do these things so that we can remember that when we're going through changes in life, God is still in control and God is still present. We've been jerking through uh, the, the book of Exodus, and the people of Israel, the children of Israel, had to learn this. They had many changes in their lives as they left the slave. Today we're going to enter into the Ten Commandments during the summer. So come back, I promise it'll we'll be fine. Um, but uh, through it all, we're going to see how we can be liberated from sin and death to worship and serve God Our text this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses 9-25. At this point in the story, the people of Israel have just come to Mount Sinai, and God is preparing them to receive the law. This is Exodus 19, verses 9 through 25. Listen now for God's word to you. When Moses had told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, "Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and prepare for the third day, because on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set limits." The people all around, saying, Be careful not to go up to the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Any who touch the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch them. They shall be stoned or shot with arrows. Whether animal or human being, they shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, then they may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people. He consecrated the people. And they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Prepare for the third day. Do not go near a woman. More on that in a moment. We'll get there. <laughs> on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, as well as a thick cloud on the mountain, and a blast of trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, while the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. When the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses of the mountain, and Moses went up. And then the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people not to break through to the Lord to look, otherwise many of them will perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Well, Moses said to the Lord, the people aren't permitted to come up to Mount Sinai. You yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and keep it holy. But the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let either the priests or the people break through to come up to the Lord; otherwise, the Lord will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, "Friends, this is the word of the Lord." And week, God, would you join me in prayer? Holy God, we ask that you to pour out your Spirit upon us this day. Help us to hear your word and be transformed by it, even a text as strange as this one feels. May my words be yours. May they testify to the good news of your word made flesh in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So one of my proudest moments in life is when a former colleague shared with me that he changed his ringtone for me. Now, I'm not a ringtone person. My phone is usually on silent. Or vibrate because if I don't put it on there, then I'll forget to put it on there when it needs to be on silence or vibrate, and then it'll ring and it'll be embarrassing. I don't like that. But this colleague was a ringtone person, and he had individual ringtones for each of the people in his life. His new ringtone for me was a clip from the song Jesus is a Friend of Mine by a band called Sunseed. And if you were asking, Pastor Joel, what does that sound like? I've got great news for you. We're going to take just the beginning of it here. You get the picture. The reason I felt so proud about this is that this song encapsulates how I want to approach faith, with simple yet profound truths, an intimacy with God. And it's also quite silly, but the silliness is born out of an earnestness in its confession. I love this idea, and I love the idea of Jesus as friend. I think that this idea speaks to a yearning that many of us have. We need friends. We need companions for the journey, and Jesus offers us this. In John's Gospel, he tells us, I don't consider you servants, but friends, because servants don't know what their master is about, but friends do. Perhaps this idea resonates with you, and if it does, you may have found this morning's scripture reading a little disorienting. In this morning's reading, God doesn't really seem interested in friendship. God's interest seems way more alien than that, way more other than that. God seems a lot more like the God we heard about in the Revelation passage read this morning, where there are these strange creatures ringing God about and doing odd things. See, some of the commands that God gives to Moses or God gives to the Israelites include the following. God says, don't go up the mountain or touch the edge of it. Don't come near to God, stranger.
1: Prepare for the third day. Don't go
0: near a woman. Let me, let me give you a side note and a little cultural perspective on this. The Israelites, like many ancient Near Eastern people, were patriarchal. So these commands were presumed to be given to adult males. They were presumed to be given to adult males who were married. Um, and so when the people were in a season of preparation like this one, they had a practice of fasting, much like we do. The season of Lent. And one of the common activities that you would fast from was sexual relations, which is kind of the background of that command. It still feels odd, though. It feels alien to us. Other commands that God gives, go down and warn the people. Seems kind of authoritarian, maybe. Go down and bring only Aaron back up with you. Don't let the priests or the people break through. Where is Jesus as a friend of mine? I don't see that in this passage. Because there's certainly some cultural differences that don't translate from thousands of years ago, Israel, until today. There's also something more unsettling to me about this passage than just cultural differences. There's something that isn't always pleasant to name. It's that God is not like us. Although we are made in God's image, Although we have access to God through Jesus Christ, a relationship to God, God is somehow wholly, entirely different than we are. As the prophet Isaiah puts it, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. This, to me, is the frightening thing about encountering holiness. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is perfect. Holiness is something that holds our attention. But holiness is also deeply and profoundly dangerous. It makes good sense, because of this, that God descends upon Mount Sinai like fire. Because fire is also something that is beautiful and dangerous. From our origins as human beings, we've been captivated by fire. It's given us light, heat, the ability to cook, make delicious food. And watching fire, it fascinates us. We still do this around Christmas time. There's a whole TV station dedicated to the Yule log. (laughs) Fire is something that attracts. And yet, despite the good uses of fire, we can give similar commands about fire as God gives to the children of Israel don't touch it keep the people away from it and we hold these boundaries because we love one another but even the boundaries around dangerous things when taken lightly can themselves be dangerous when i was growing up some of the families of the church i worshiped in and my parents worshipped in would get together and go camping i've fond memories of these camping trips we do this annually But there was one particular year that was especially eventful. My younger brother was about six or seven years old. He's the middle child in our family. Um, And he's about two and a half years younger than I am. So that meant that I was in fifth grade, and I knew everything, right? Uh, So I was away playing with my friends, trying to get into trouble probably. Um, And my brother Ethan was running around with some of his friends one evening. And they were running back and forth, up and down, everywhere in the campsite and they started running around the campfire, as you do when you're kids. And before my parents could put a stop to it, my brother tripped and fell toward the campfire. Fortunately, the fire was in a fire pit to prevent someone from falling into it. Unfortunately, however, his forehead hit the fire pit rim, and that was thin enough to cut his head open. Now, he's okay. Um, He's alive, he's thriving, um, he lives in Seattle now, Um, but my parents both jumped in the car, got him in the car, screaming, and drove to the nearest hospital, which was like 40 minutes away along cliff roads on the California coast. It was a harrowing drive for them. My brother ended up being fine, although he has a very Harry Potter-like scar on his forehead now. But it's a reminder for me that even if we hold boundaries around things that are dangerous, we can protect others best, not by just depending on those boundaries, but by drawing attention to the boundaries themselves. Because if we don't, they too can become dangerous. And so it may seem like God is nagging the Israelites a little bit by telling Moses over and over, hey, Don't go near the mountain. Hey, please tell them, don't go near the mountain. I don't want to break through against them. Don't go near the mountain. But I wonder perhaps if God's constant reminders to the children of Israel about the dangers of coming near the holy fire, I wonder if those are reminders that originate out of love. I wonder if those are reminders that originate out of the truth that Jesus is a friend of mine. I wonder if God recognizes the need for gentleness with the children of Israel. And these firm boundaries offer gentleness. They offer assurance that the people of Israel won't get burned by holy fire. But even if God, out of love for us, is offering us barriers and boundaries for our protection because of the holiness of God, this brings up another question. Doesn't, like, God have self-control? Like, why why does God need Moses to keep the Israelites back so that God doesn't break out against them? Why, Why doesn't, like, God take ownership of that? Maybe God don't break out against the Israelites. Well, God can hold back this breaking out. But to do so, our Lord would need to forego welcoming us as friends. See, God is completely and totally holy, and because of that, God's presence... Purifies sin in an instant. But when God purifies us from sin, that eliminates not only our brokenness and sin, but also every part of us that clings to that brokenness and sin. Every part of ourselves that makes common cause with sin will itself be purified along with that. And I'll ask you not to take this the wrong way. We all cling to parts of ourselves that are broken. Me included. So God could hold back from being near us. God could hold back from breaking out, but that would keep God from being close enough to be our friend. And God's not willing to do that. Because God yearns to be a friend of ours. God offers us boundaries for our own protection. And this is a tricky balance that you can see happening throughout all the Scripture. In fact, I like the way that Neil put it in one of the long story shorter classes we had in the fall, um, that God wants to be our holy spouse. I think that was the language he used, right? Yeah? Okay. God desires to be near us like a spouse, but God also needs to keep distance because God is holy. And when God comes near us, God's holiness eliminates our sin in any part of ourselves that clings to our sin. And because God wants to be near us, but has to remain distant. In both of these, it's sort of like a a teeter-totter, in both of these cases, God is acting out of love. Now, I want to be very careful around my language here, because this way of framing things can also make God sound a little bit like an abusive partner, and that's not what God's about. This isn't a situation, and hear me very clearly on this, where God hits us because he loves us. That's not what's going on. If you are in an abusive relationship, let me be quite clear. Abuse does not honor God. God deeply desires human flourishing, and abuse, whether verbal, emotional, physical, or otherwise, is harmful, not helpful. This is much more comparable to a situation in which a medical professional puts on protective equipment so that that medical professional can go into a room that houses someone that has a deeply infected. medical professional to show love, to to help heal and cure a person while not sustaining the infection themselves. Despite our relationship with God, God is holy and holds those boundaries for our protection. Now, the medical professional isn't quite the right analogy because that's not holiness being transmitted, that's something bad, but hopefully it helps point you in the right direction. It's not abuse, it's protection. So this may be all good, you may be thinking, Pastor, but what, what do I do with this information? What do I do with the idea that God is like a holy fire? What do I do with the idea that God wants to be my friend but somehow has to keep distance? Well, I'm so asked. <laughs> there are a couple ideas I have around how we might apply this as individuals and as a community. First, it's important, no matter who we encounter in the world, To remember that God wants to have a relationship With that person God doesn't write people off Regardless Of what that person has done Or left undone God wants to have a relationship With them Jesus wants to be their friend What's also true is that God's holiness No matter how good or not good That person is God's holiness would consume them Just like it would consume us If God made God's holiness fully manifest in our presence. And when we remember both God's holiness and also God's desire for relationship, that keeps us from dismissing other people and writing them off. It also keeps us from idolizing other people and putting them on a pedestal. We all struggle with sin, and God wants to have a relationship with all of us. The second idea that may be helpful as we try to put some of this information into practice is that we have a a 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week audience with God. And that's a humongous privilege. I don't know if we fully understand the gravity of this. God comes down to Mount Sinai to be in community with the people, to be their friend, to be their holy spouse. And God is a touch more important even than any head of state even than than any CEO of a company. And some of those people are really hard to get an appointment with. But God comes down to heaven to be with us. God comes down from heaven to reveal to us how we can live, how we can flourish. God comes down from heaven to indwell in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Since we have such privileged access, let's not keep God waiting for us. Let's go to God in prayer and desire the friendship that God wants with us. So remember that people are complicated. God wants a relationship with all of them, no matter what they've done or left undone. Remember that we've got access to God who is more important than any head of state or CEO. And finally, the third point here, God's goal for eternity is a consummation of the relationship between God and human beings. What this means practically is that we must be purified of all sin and all brokenness so that in eternity we can behold the holiness of God, fully and completely, without anything getting in the way. That means we've got work to do. We're called to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We're called not only to consider Jesus friend, but to look to Jesus as the one that we need to emulate, to stop making common cause with sin. In any and every aspect of our lives, we are called to become holy and sanctified ourselves. The rules and guidelines that God offers aren't just because God likes to give random commands and watch us struggle. No, this is our curriculum. To learn how to be holy, how to be sanctified, how to begin to encounter God's holiness fully and completely can remember these three ways of applying things, that God doesn't write people off. That God wants us always to come to God in prayer. We've got access. And that we've got work to do. I hope that we can remember these as we prepare to spend the next several weeks with the ten words God speaks from Mount Sinai to the people of Israel in Exodus 20. Now I'm deeply grateful that Jesus calls me friend. I'm deeply grateful that he doesn't just call me friend, but he calls each and every one of us friends. And it's my prayer that we may know the great love of God in Jesus Christ. Love that is great enough to call us friends despite God's otherness, despite God's holiness that opposes sin. It's my prayer that we may trust that God offers boundaries for our protection so that we are not consumed by the holiness of God. It's my prayer that we may believe that God is in the business of forming us into holy children, co-heirs with Christ, in the story of salvation. May it be so. Thanks be to God.